Good morning. I'm Aya Wimala, and today is October the 15th. And we actually, here in Crystal Lake, are getting cooler weather today in the low 50s. Doesn't feel too all that cold, but it's a big drop in what we've been having. So today we are on day 29 of our 35-day pilgrimage in India to the sacred sites of the life of the Buddha. And this is from the Kawasaki's compilation of uh, Buddhist teachings, the suttas, the teachings of the Buddha, and also after about half of the book is made up of different teachings about these locations or that, that occurred in these locations or with areas nearby. And then the 35-day, this part of the companion is a daily reading and a daily reflection. And that's what I'm sharing. And we are now, looks like we are at, let's see, Today we're on day 29, and the reading is Five Ways of Subduing Anger. And it's from the Anguttara Nikaya 5.162. So, ways to approach the reading. You can imagine yourself in India uh, being with a small group of people and you have a teacher and you're together while you're while you are maybe looking at uh, a very ancient uh, relic or building or pathway. You can be thinking about this or read it in the morning before you begin your traveling for that day. And then the reflection that follows is shorter and gives you something a really a kernel to, to uh, think about or even use in your meditation. So while you're listening, just let your body be in meditation posture for you. And that's a posture that allows you to really feel awake and able to breathe really well so your normal natural breathing is able to just you know fill those fill those lungs so whether you're on your back or walking you want to be as have your spine as uplifted as you can that works for your body and you can use props or things that help you find the right posture for your body depending on the conditions of your body you have to work with it the way it is but the more comfortable you are without getting drowsy and sleepy, uh, the, the easier it is to calm the mind and start letting go of tension and stress and be in a better, uh, better position to work with your mind in meditation. Fewer distractions if your body is comfortable and not in pain or not, um, you know, you're not rigid trying to hold a posture. So working with anger is always uh, 
there's so many different ways the Buddha talked about working with anger, but he did tell us that we can uproot anger. And a lot of people don't think that's possible or don't want that to be possible. They, they think of anger as a powerful energy. And the Buddha taught that, no, that's not the case. We can, uh, we can live our lives and be quite powerful and successful and, uh, have a, have a true spiritual path without anger. Anger doesn't solve anything or, uh, it's a very temporary fix. And, uh, a lot of good energy goes up in smoke when anger gets in the way. So it's our human nature to sometimes get angry, but that is not, that is not impossible to work with. We can work with it. We can s- subdue it and work gently with it, but eventually we can uproot it. So five days, five ways. <laughs> Five ways of subduing anger. Whenever anger arises, Venerable Sariputta said, excuse me, it must always be subdued. And there are five ways of doing so depending on the type of person with whom one is angry. Now, Venerable Sariputta was the Buddha's uh, uh, Moggallana and Sariputta were the, his two most uh, valuable disciples. And Sariputta would often teach. The monks would come to him even after the Buddha gave a talk and ask him to expound on it and and help them with some of the points that they may, you know, they may be unclear about. But he was the Buddha would often direct them to go and talk to uh, Venerable Sariputta. So he was the probably the second uh, next to the Buddha. Sariputta's understanding was the most developed. So there are five ways of doing so: subduing anger, depending on the type of person with whom one is angry. First, one might get angry with a person whose ways are impure in deed, but pure in word. Suppose a bhikkhu who wears only rag robes were to see a piece of cloth on the the road. He would hold it down with his left foot, spread it out with his right, pick it up, make use of the best part of it, and go on his way. In the same way, with a person whose ways are impure in deed, but pure in word, one should ignore his impure deeds and concentrate on only his words or her words, which are pure. In this way, anger with that person should be subdued. Second, one might get angry with a person whose ways are impure in word, but pure in deed. Suppose a person, tortured by heat, overcome by heat, weary, thirsty, and craving for water, were to come to a pond overgrown with mossy slime and water plants. He would plunge into that pond, scattering with both hands the moss and the plants hither and thither, cup his hands, drink, and go on his way. 
In the same way, with a person whose ways are impure in word, but pure in deed, one should ignore his impure words and concentrate on only his deeds which are pure. In this way, anger with that person should be subdued. Third, one might get angry with a person whose ways are impure in both deed and word, but who from time to time achieves mental clarity and mental calm. Suppose a person, tortured by heat, overcome by heat, weary, thirsty, and craving for water, were to come upon a puddle in a cow's footprint. He might think, if I drink from this puddle by hand or cup, I will stir it up and make it unfit to drink. Instead, he crouches on all fours, sips like a cow, and goes on his way. In the same way with a person whose ways are impure in both deed and word, but who from time to time obtains mental clarity and mental calm, one should ignore both his impure words and his impure deeds and concentrate on only the mental clarity and the mental calm that he obtains from time to time. In this way, anger with that person should be subdued. Fourth, one might get angry with a person whose ways are impure in both deed and word and who never achieves mental clarity or mental calm. Suppose a person who is grievously ill were to go along the highway with no village anywhere nearby. If someone else were to see him, he might raise pity and compassion in that second person who might say to himself or herself, Alas, that poor person needs proper food, proper medicine, proper assistance, or a guide to lead him to a village, lest he suffer even more or die right here. In that same way, with a person whose ways are impure in both deed and word, and who never attains mental clarity or mental calm, pity and compassion should arise, so that one says to oneself, Alas, he should give up his bad habits and develop good habits, so that on the breaking up of the body after death, he is not reborn in a miserable realm. In this way, anger with that person should be subdued. Finally, one might get angry with a person whose ways are pure in both deed and word, and who often achieves mental clarity and mental calm. Suppose a person tortured by heat, overcome by heat, weary, thirsty, and craving for water, were to come to a pool, clear, sweet, cool, and limpid, a lovely resting place, shaded by all manner of trees. He might plunge into that pool, bathe and drink. Then he would come out and sit or lie there in the shade of the trees. In the same way with a person whose ways are pure in both deed and word, and who often obtains mental clarity and mental calm, one should think about and remember the words which are pure, 
the deeds which are pure, and the mental calm and clarity which this person often has. In this way, anger with that person should be subdued. When one becomes completely calm, the mind also becomes calm. These are the five ways of subduing anger, which should always be subdued. So it looks like there are no excuses for subduing anger. We find what we think. We find either uh, focus on what is good and what is what we know is uh, is the is more pure in that person, or we should have compassion if there's nothing there to find. So. It's all within us. There's nothing about what the other person doing is there other than how we should subdue our anger in reaction to anything that person does. So it's a good lesson. And that's from the Angutra Nikaya 5, 162. And here's our reflection for today. And... Yes, our last reflection yesterday was on a recollection of death. And this reflection is a meditation on death. So we'll begin our own meditation together with this meditation from the Sutta Napata 3.8. And when I finish reading it, we'll sit together with our time. Life in the world is unpredictable and uncertain. Life is difficult, short, and fraught with suffering. Being born, one has to die. This is the nature of the world. With old age, there is death. This is the way things are. When fruit is ripe, it may drop early in the morning. In the same way, one who is born may die at any moment. Just as all pots made by all potters end up being broken, so it is with the life of all who were born. Neither young nor old, foolish nor wise, will escape the trap of death. All move toward death. They are overcome by death. They pass on to another world. A father cannot save his son, nor a family its members. Look, with relatives watching, with tears and crying, people are carried off one by one, like cattle to the slaughter. Death and aging are a natural part of the world. Thus the wise grieve not, seeing the nature of the world. So let's sit together. Just be aware of the body breathing. And feel calm, calmness coming into your body. 
Breathe in the precious air that this earth provides us to support our lives. When we reflect on or meditate on death, it becomes an awareness that we can have with us that death can come at any time. And that makes our time precious in subduing anger and loving ourselves, having compassion all of the qualities, the beautiful qualities that we want to develop become more urgent, becomes more uh, the driving force for us rather than success with money or competing in uh, careers. So let's practice metta. And whenever there's anger, we can work with metta. Just like our reading today shows, we can subdue our anger when we look at the things that don't provoke our anger, but look at the qualities that, that we appreciate when we're angry with someone. Find the goodness in that person. The same way we accept ourselves, we, we find the goodness within us. We remember those things we've done to be of service, the love we have for others. the way we've helped others. And as we practice metta, we always begin by sending these feelings of friendliness and kindness to ourselves. And we begin by accepting ourselves just where we are. And this is, we can use this reading as an example of how to subdue anger we may have towards ourselves. Look for the good, nurture the good, nurture the skillful and the wholesome. 
Focus on that and encourage that in yourself and in others. That's right effort. May I be well. May I be content. May I feel safe. And may I be at peace. Think of your loved ones, your good friends, your noble friends, your family, the people you rely on, people you trust. May my loved ones be well and feel safe. May they be content. May they live in peace, be at peace within and live in peace in their world. And we keep allowing this quality of metta as it arises in us, this loving kindness. We can radiate it out, moving further and further away from our comfort zone with those we know, with those we know we love, even if we have lots of difficulties with them. If they're close to us, we just continue loving them. But we move out to strangers and our difficult people, our challenging people. We send out the same metta. It applies to everyone as we grow in our own acceptance and loving of ourselves, we're able to grow and radiate this quality of metta out to all other living beings. So may all the strangers in my world and to all my difficult people, may these people be well and feel safe in the world and be content and be at peace. We wish the same for them that we wish for ourselves. 
If we know what makes us happy, truly happy, truly content, we wish that for others. That they find happiness, that they find contentment. Now just to let allow this quality of metta or goodwill to just radiate out infinitely. There are no boundaries to this quality. We don't discriminate between who we want to send loving kindness to and those that we we don't think we want to send it to. We lose that that wall comes down, metta goes out, radiates out to all living beings, human and non-human, not just to our pets or our friends or our country, but to all beings everywhere throughout this world, throughout this world system, Just feel it radiating out from you. Feel how we are connected to everything. May all beings, all human beings, non-human beings, beings being born and those dying, may they be free from suffering and the causes of suffering. free from worry, fear, anxiety, free from hunger and thirst and the extremes of the weather. May all beings happily take care of themselves or be well taken care of by others. And may all living beings be at peace and live in peace. And today, may everything that we do and say and think be done for the benefit of all sentient beings and that includes ourselves. And if you can, just keep sitting with this feeling of metta and carry it with you all day. You can practice metta all the time and let it just imbue your day and those around you will be aware of it. They'll feel safety in being around you. You become a refuge. So just to let you know, Sunday I will not be here. I'm going to be leading an outdoor meditation and uh, I'm not aware of the program, so it will be at the same time. And I don't know if I'll be able to record it. If I can, I'll record it and uh, put it up.
So have a beautiful day. Enjoy wherever you are. Enjoy the simple things in your world today.